Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. I decided to start Amazing Stories because as a fan, I couldn't find a podcast that was 100% dedicated to sharing stories of adventure, fantasy, the supernatural, and macabre. So please, follow, share, and if you can, support my podcast, Amazing Stories, where every day I bring you a new story. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing story. Previously. He always said he'd have a throat cut if she made life difficult for him. Puzzling why he was there. Chongqing was a police kingdom. Go, go, go! Oh, go, go, go! Gu Kailai believed that she and her husband had been poisoned and were going to die. So here's the story so far. Neil Haywood was a British man in China, a useful kind of fixer for an ambitious woman called Gu Kailai. Her husband was an up-and-coming politician. He was running the huge city of Chongqing. Neil Haywood and Gu Kailai had a falling out, and she summoned him down to Chongqing, where he was murdered in a hotel room. At the end of the last episode, the man in charge of the cover-up Chongqing's police chief, had run to the nearest American consulate with an astonishing story that Gu Kailai had killed Neil Haywood and that the police chief's own life was now in danger. His name was Wang Li Jun. He did not fit any of the categories for the United States giving him asylum. For a Chinese police chief to defect was unprecedented a delicate moment for the then-American Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, as she explained later. He had a a record of corruption, of thuggishness, brutality. He was an enforcer for Bo Zhilai. The death of Neil Haywood was suddenly an international incident, and the Americans found themselves thrust into the middle of a Chinese political drama. The consulate was quickly encircled by police who were either subordinate to Bojilai or looking to curry favor. So it was becoming a very dangerous situation. It was almost as if the American consulate was under siege. Growing numbers of armed police cordoned off the streets. Some loyal to Bojilai, the boss in Chongqing. Others loyal to his political enemies in Beijing. Both wanted control of the police chief, Wang Lijun, and his explosive story. The Americans had to decide which side to give him to. A senior police officer who enjoys celebrity status in China has gone missing. The Americans chose Beijing, and Wang Lijun disappeared into detention. And now that it was clear that a British citizen had been murdered, London wanted answers. It is a death that needs to be investigated in its own terms, without political considerations. China was in the midst of its biggest political crisis since the Tiananmen Square crackdown in 1989. To whom it may concern, recently there has been increasing attention from the press on my private life. I feel responsible to the public to provide an account of the facts. Guagua is the only son of Gu Kailai and Bo Xilai. 
He's the final key character in our story. I am deeply concerned about the events surrounding my family, but I have no comments to make regarding the ongoing investigation. In April 2012, Guagua was 25 years old, studying at Harvard University in the US, and after his mother was arrested for murder, he was writing to the student paper. It is impossible to address all of the rumours and allegations about myself, but I will state the facts regarding some of the most pertinent claims. Guagua is key to the whole mystery, so we need to find out more about him. And that's not easy. We asked him for an interview, but like so many others in this story, he declined. This letter was his first public statement. He didn't know it at the time, but his entire life was about to become public property. Guagua would become the heart of the sensational show trials triggered by the death of Neil Hayward. Guagua's life had been mapped for greatness. He was born into a political dynasty, the Boer family, at a time when China was fast becoming a world power. He started life among the Chinese elite, but his mother wanted him to join the global elite, and when he was 12, she took him to the UK to learn English. They went first to Bournemouth. I mean, I don't think he liked being taken from pillar to post. He, I, he certainly didn't like the language school in um, Bournemouth. Giles Hall is the man who sold the hot air balloon in our first episode. He remembers how Neil Haywood's role grew from being Gu Kai Lai's business fixer to a sort of mentor for Guagua when he went to the elite private school, Harrow. He was sent to Harrow because that was Neil Haywood's school. And Neil Haywood, I think, arranged for all of that. He told us once that he had to go off to London to buy all Guagua's uniform for Harrow. And he needed, I think it was £4,000 to pay for it all. So he was a sort of runaround as well for those sort of things. But the relationship between Guagua and Neil Hayward was complex. The child was very hard to like, I have to tell you. He was described by Neil Hayward as an arrogant prick, which he was really. He was terribly arrogant. You know, he wouldn't look you in the eye. He wouldn't shake your hand. He'd be rude to his mother in her company with you. Everybody who was around him was treated very much as subservient. He was always asking his mother for more pocket money. <laughs> and she'd shove him £500 every now and then through Neil Hayward to shut him up and keep him quiet. <laughs> I mean, that's what he, he was just spoiled. £500 for pocket money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Hayward had to dish out £500 and £50 notes to him to keep, shut him up and keep him quiet. Wow, Guagua was learning expensive habits. Where was the money coming from for that kind of pocket money? And the nearly £40,000 a year in Harrow school fees, fees that were many times more than his parents' income as communist officials. Guagua addressed the money question in his letter to the Harvard student newspaper. My tuition and living expenses at Harrow School, University of Oxford and Harvard University were funded exclusively by two sources. Scholarships earned independently and my mother's generosity from the savings she earned from her years as a successful lawyer and writer. But the courts heard a very different story, one that would be damaging to the Boer dynasty. On August the 9th, 2012, Gukailai went on trial for the murder of Neil Haywood. 
China was gripped. 二零一二年八月九号，安徽省合肥市中级人民法院一审公开开庭审理了被告人博古开来、张小军故意杀人案。The trial lasted a mere seven hours, and foreign reporters weren't allowed in. All we've got to go on is an account released by the court. Gukalai's testimony is read by an actor. This case has been like a huge stone, weighing on me for more than half a year. What a nightmare! It's worth pointing out that in China, the Communist Party controls the courts. Everything that happens is decided in advance to suit those in power. Gu Kailai admitted poisoning Neil Hayward. Remember this? He begs for water. She drips poison into his mouth. She waits until she can no longer feel Neil Hayward's pulse, and then. Gukailai scatters pills around the room to make it look like an overdose. That was Gukailai's account of what happened. Again, we're going on the court's version of events here. Gukailai said she did it to protect her son Guaguá because his life was under threat from Neil Hayward. I am proud to have been the first mainland Chinese student to be elected to the standing committee of the Oxford Union. In the letter he wrote in the days after his mother's arrest, Guagua said nothing about the murder charge against her. Instead, he defended himself. After Harrow, he'd attended Oxford University, and he joined the famous debating society, the Oxford Union. And I truly value the close friendships I've formed with my fellow students. The Oxford Union was also a place to network with the British establishment. So up this big old timber staircase, the walls are covered in photographs of the great and the good in the Oxford Union.、Um, so everybody's in their dinner jackets, lined up, looking sharpened. Worldly, and let's see if we can find Bogwagwa. Then, oh, here he is. Look, I have to say, he looks very, he looks very Hollywood. Slightly sexy, slightly intimidating, slightly. I know what you're thinking, and I'm thinking it first. Kind of a look. But as the murder story broke, other photos emerged, showing a playboy. Who drove fast cars, guzzled champagne, and urinated on college gates? Hardly a poster boy for the Communist Party. During my time at Oxford, it is true that I participated in bops, a type of common Oxford social event. Guagua tried to shrug off the Playboy image. These events are a regular feature of social life at Oxford, and most students take part in these college-wide activities. But Guaguá didn't just take part. He organised parties and a China-themed ball, which he advertised like this: "Mysterious and exotic wonders will be revealed. Your eyes will feast on authentic performances of Shaolin kung fu, traditional acrobatics, and operatic dances. 
there will be a feeling of majestic elegance as the guests immerse in the silky interiors lit with 600 lanterns. A night of free-flowing drinks. Champagne reception. Not carver. We've come a long way from when Guagua's dad was impressing his classmates by managing to get hold of a crate of beer for a Beijing picnic, which says a lot about how China's changed in one generation. But all the quality fizz was getting between Guagua and his books. We assess every student's progress term by term. And there are all sorts of processes we go through. Someone's not doing quite as well as somebody talks to them. And so Guagua began to go through this process. Andrew Graham was the master of Guagua's Oxford College, Balliol. It wouldn't have come up if the tutors weren't saying he's not uh, writing the number of essays they ought to be, he's not turning up for tutorials. It would be absolutely standard sort of stuff that somebody not producing the kind of work that Oxford expects. Oh, so polite. They kicked him out for a year. Guagua moved into a five-star Oxford hotel. I've been a tutor in Oxford over a very long period of time and then master for a long period, and so I've seen you know, an enormous number of students. And he struck me as somebody which, for no fault of his own, he'd probably been brought up in rather extraordinary surroundings, although it looked very privileged, actually probably quite tightly controlled. And then suddenly he's away, really away, not just away at Harrow in England, but away at university where the, there's a much greater freedom. And I think it was somebody like you take the bottle out of a champagne cork and it explodes for a bit. Guagua's parents were thousands of miles away in China, but he did have mentors he could turn to. There was Neil Hayward, that's one, and there were others. Because by the time Guagua was at Oxford, China was a huge target for British business, and Guagua was a route to his charismatic father, Bojilai, who was by now commerce minister, a really powerful player. Bojilai was a figure who was really lauded by the British establishment. Kerry Brown, former diplomat and expert on Chinese politics. There were people in the UK who, you know, really said they were close to him. And when he came to Britain as Minister of Trade, everyone, you know, was so keen and thought he was the greatest thing. Some got close to the Boer family through Neil Haywood. When Haywood was alive and was a conduit between Bo Xilai and people here, I think there was a nice collusion. It was sort of, you know, the British system buys into these sort of secret, you know, passageways into the Chinese system. And when that went wrong, it's very, very able to close those doors. More than secret passageways, many believe that Neil Haywood was a British spy. We've looked into this. Here's what we know. One. It's a matter of public record that Neil Haywood occasionally worked for a consultancy firm called Hacklett, founded by former British spies. Two, we spoke to a number of people who were unwilling to go on the record, but who said that Neil Haywood did regularly pass information to British spies. Neil Haywood knew what was going on. He'd been inside the system. He had very good access to Bo Lai as a key player. 
and indeed his wife, and so it would have been a good source for British intelligence. Sir Richard Ottaway was serving as chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the British Parliament when the spy report surfaced. He asked the then Foreign Secretary, William Hague, about Neil Hayward's relationship with the British government. They confirmed that though they had taken information from Neil Hayward, he was not an employee. In other words, it was an informal relationship. Did you read into that it was MI6 that he was talking to or just to ordinary diplomats? My conclusion, having served on the Intelligence and Security Committee as well, uh, was that it, it would have been MI6. I mean, someone like Neil Hayward, who was on the edges of power inside China, he was someone who would obviously know a lot of what was going on, and I think it would have been pretty dilatory for MI6 not to have actually had contact with him and perhaps a drink after work, you know, to, to pick his brains about what's going on. We wanted to ask the British government directly about this relationship and about why, when the British consulate in Chongqing learned of the death in the Lucky Holiday Hotel, there was no demand for an autopsy of a man who was a well-connected British government informant, not to mention a 41-year-old moderate drinker who died from over-drinking, as the Chongqing authorities had originally claimed. But the British government declined to talk to us. The spy allegations were not mentioned at Gu Kailai's trial or the trials that followed. It wasn't in the Communist Party's interest to reveal that one of its top families had been penetrated by foreign intelligence. And remember, the party was writing the trial script. The story the courts heard was that Gu Kailai murdered Neil Haywood because he was threatening Gua Gua. It was more than a threat. It was real. And it all came back to the money. In the court transcript, Gukailai admitted that Neil Hayward helped her hide assets abroad. Money that was moved secretly into property in the West. Money that also paid for Guagua's lifestyle and his education. But along the way, Neil Hayward and Gukailai have fallen out. She wanted to sever their financial relationship and he demanded a payment of £1.4 million the court was shown an email in which he threatened to, quote, destroy Guagua if he didn't get the money. So she killed him. I had to fight to the death to stop the madness of Haywood. But it was her madness which then became part of the defence. The official account detailed her insomnia, her depression her paranoia. It cast her as a deranged, drug-dependent mother driven to murder a man who she believed threatened her son. Neil would never have harmed Gua Gua. Neil Hayward's friend, James Richards. Given her mental state and her, I think, clear tendency to paranoia, she may indeed have believed that but there was certainly no ground for that belief. It's worth pointing out that Gu Kailai was fighting for her own life now. China has the death penalty, and to avoid execution, she needed to convince the court that she was mentally ill and therefore not responsible for her actions. It worked. She was found guilty of poisoning Neil Hayward, 
but she got off with a suspended death sentence, later reduced to life in prison. Case closed. But remember this from the British government? It is a death that needs to be investigated in its own terms, without political considerations. Tough questions that should have been asked weren't asked, and a complete record of what happened should have been given but wasn't given, or at least it wasn't made public. Kerry Brown thinks London should have been more assertive. This is a British citizen who was butchered in a hotel in very strange circumstances in China, and I just sort of wonder what would the reverse be, that a Chinese citizen was murdered in a hotel by a wife of, you know, a British sort of politician in the cabinet. I mean, would anyone accept the story that was eventually told, the sort of one day of testimony? I mean, I felt it was sort of hard to say that that was an exhaustive process. Call it partial? Call it untrue? That murder trial certainly raised as many questions as it answered. Conspiracy theories abound. One we've already touched on, that Neil Haywood was murdered because he was a British spy inside the family of a top Chinese communist. Something Borshilai himself ordered the murder. Others blame the police chief. And there are even some who say the woman in court was not Gukailai, but a body double. Another theory focuses on who benefited from the death of Neil Haywood. That's next time on Murder in the Lucky Holiday Hotel. Who's going up as the Boer family's going down? The victor is a king and the loser is a thief. The swashbuckling police chief reappears. Bo punched me. And angry prison guards, like almost everyone else in this story, don't want me asking questions. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.